Welcome back, everyone. This is the Milton Friedman Society's Newsroom Podcast. I am your host, Lorenzo, and here with me, as usual, is Anton. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. It's been a while. Um, and uh, I would like to go immediately to, the, to our first point on the agenda today, which is the broader vaccine rollout uh, or the vaccine campaign um, in, in Europe and with a specific headline that, that raised some eyebrows last week, uh, which was Italy blocking the export of 250,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine to Australia. Um, behind that was that the Italian government was arguing that AstraZeneca is behind their promised plan of, uh, of vaccine deliveries to Italy, as those doses were produced in Italy and they the Italian government doesn't consider Australia and let's say a country with emergency need for, for vaccines. They, they blocked the, the, the process of export through the European um, Commission. And uh, this, this has sparked a discussion mainly also between um, Europeans and UK, uh, uh, the, the UK where, where vaccine rollout has been a lot faster but also the, let's say, criticism towards the AstraZeneca vaccine was taken a little bit more seriously. And now the, the, the need for, for of, 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 of governments like Italy to, to rely on those vaccines uh, have, 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 have uh, been quite controversial. What, what's your take on the, the overall vaccine rollout, both in Italy and the EU? So, yes, this is uh, definitely an interesting topic, uh, mostly because, you know, uh, we have to wait for these vaccines to go back to normality. So it's particularly painful to to talk about. But I think you raise a very interesting point. So uh, with all of these uh, different vaccines coming in and these companies doing their bidding and so on and so forth, we have really seen a lot of countries starting to take, um, I would say, a protectionist stance with respect to the vaccines, and Italy is, of course, uh, one of them. Uh, this is not the only example of uh, blocking uh, vaccines towards a given um, a given country, and it is also not the only example of having a big skepticism with respect to a vaccine. Uh, I would also uh, like to mention that uh, the EMA has just started to examinate the Sputnik vaccine from Russia in order to admit it in the European Union. Um, so this is definitely a very um, a very interesting topic to uh, to talk about in in this in this meeting. I don't even um, know how to define it because it's it's very difficult in my opinion to really judge the behavior of these countries because on the one hand because on the one hand it definitely goes to to their interests and their interest of their citizen to have the vaccine ready as far as as fast as possible and as many vaccines as possible uh, but on the other hand uh, it is also comprehensible to have skepticism with respect to the uh, distribution mechanisms what, what is your take on the subject um, I, I think it's it's very interesting because the most problematic uh, thing right now about uh, the vaccination progress in 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 the EU is that as a as a European it hurts to see that maybe the approach with negotiating contracts as a whole and not 
each country on their own in order to integrate everyone and 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 uh, and create an an equal let's say platform to build on um, hasn't really worked out if you look at what the UK and especially the US even on a bigger scale were able to do while taking a nationalistic approach um, and. So after all, I, I understand that Italy takes these, let's say, drastic measures because especially being in Milan again, coming from Germany, it was quite surprising to see that that life was pretty much back to normal um, with restaurants open, with university able to to have at least some lectures in, in, in presence. But over the last uh, two weeks, these, uh, let's say, advantages uh, or, or, or privileges have uh, been taken back more and more. And uh, considering the, the high case numbers, this is, this is absolutely rational to do, but nevertheless, um, it feels like the, the, the high um, hopes for vaccines uh, is not really delivering uh, or, or being um, put into place, in, in, at least in Europe. Uh, so my hope is that for, especially with the new administration and Draghi um, also uh, making some uh, changes in, in the people handling the, the, the vaccine and, and COVID handling overall in Italy, um, we, we we see some 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 progress over uh, the the next couple of weeks. Yes, let's definitely hope so. Um, you have a very interesting point, Anton. And speaking of deliveries, I would like to mention the Delivero IPO that is uh, is going on in London. And well, Delivero basically just decided to uh, go through an IPO. Uh, based on a very, very strong performance over the last months. And the future seems very bright at the moment for the company. They plan to expand in other uh, sectors as well. What is this? Uh, what, what does it tell you, Anton? So Deliveroo is a, or the Deliveroo IPO is, is very interesting in, in many respects. First of all, um, the so the IPO should take place in April and it's uh, it's it the, that the Deliveroo decided to list in London is is I think it's one of the one of the first big IPOs happening in London after Brexit, and with all this uncertainty about the future of the financial industry in London after or post Brexit, um, this is uh, getting some uh, some some uh, financial people in in London some 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 relief and and uh, uh, think of a of a bright future. Um, but on the other hand, it is just one of the examples of the red hot um, market in general, and also the, the the success IPOs had over the last, let's say, twelve to fifteen months. Um, I think two thousand twenty was uh, the the first year after two thousand one where um, so many IPOs actually doubled their price on on like companies who who listed on the markets doubled their price in the first twenty four hours of trading. I think it was a total 19 companies who did that. And one company that fell just short of that 100% barrier was DoorDash last year um, in, 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 in the, who listed in the US. Um, and that definitely was an inspiration also for the Deliveroo IPO. Um, on the other hand, you said that, that Deliveroo had a, had a strong, um, let's say a, a strong couple of, uh, of, of months, but nevertheless, it didn't manage to break even over 2020 even though the through the pandemic we saw a, a, a rise in demand for deliveries um, and also considering the UK's policy with with really trying to provoke people to eat out and to support um, should have allowed the delivery to, 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 to leverage on that but nevertheless um, I think 
the, the market or judging the overall market right now, what, what is your feeling? Is it, um, have we reached the, the phase of euphoria or is it gonna um, continue, let's say the, the slow downturn that has come up over, let's say the last two weeks with also with the rising uh, treasury yields and, and uh, resentment towards tech stocks? Yeah, so this is definitely uh, very interesting. You are right that actually the strong performance of Deliveroo didn't manage to cope with the losses uh, that the company experienced before. But I would like to point out that a very interesting, um, a very interesting aspect to be considered in the uh, in when looking at Deliveroo is uh, the uh, gross transaction value, which increased significantly uh, in this uh, last couple of months which means that people are also uh, spending more uh, on Deliveroo, which I think points out uh, to a brighter future. So I don't think that the phase of euphoria is destined to, um, to end really soon. I think there is still time for some improvement before reaching the, the Acme, so to speak. I, I, at least in the delivery space, I can definitely imagine that um, that demand for these products will stay at a very, very high level. But I'm not yet, or I don't know the, the, the estimates of how uh, post-pandemic deliveries are gonna look like, because definitely people, at least from, from my own feelings and, and what I've seen uh, in, in, in my friends and family, are very excited to go back and really not, not order food, but actually go to restaurants and and um, also have this experience of just having a nice dinner together with, with friends. Um, that's not really what you're getting with delivery. So with, with restaurants being able to uh, go back to an as usual operating basis, there, or it, 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 uh, it, it, it will go back. But I think the, the, the comfort of, of getting food delivered will be something that, that we, we, we don't wanna miss in, in the future. So, um, on the other hand, I think our it is a very plausible scenario to think of, let's say, five to ten years down the line to see some uh, acquisitions and mergers in in that uh, area. Because I cannot imagine with with so many players um, playing that game at the same time. So maybe Deliveroo will be the one who succeeds. Maybe it's Uber Eats or or another uh, provider. But but I I don't think that this market allows for let's say a, a, a huge uh, amount of, of companies competing at the same time. Yes, that is uh, definitely true as well. And well, as usual, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens uh, in the future. I would bet my money on the success uh, of Deliveroo in particular and of the market in general. But of course, you're right. We have to see also how the, uh, the end of the pandemic so waited for uh, impacts this, this market. So um, going for a, for a second uh, away from this topic, I would like to go back to the US, which we so often uh, talk about, because very recently the Senate has approved the so-called Biden plan, that is the recovery plan for the US, uh, which has a whopping uh, $1.9 trillion uh, value, which is a very high value, uh, unprecedented, actually, and which uh, is about uh, tons of, of things. And one very interesting outtake that especially libertarians raised in the US 
is that very little of the uh, COVID recovery plan has actually to do uh, with COVID. So uh, do you think that this is a trend that, um, well, uh, do you think that this piece of criticism has a reason to be? Or do you think that it is uh, a positive thing that we have this massive recovery plan, which has the occasion to, you know, go over many, many points in Biden's program? Um, so with the recovery plan, I think there are two things that are very interesting. First of all, you cannot leave out the fact that it is in a very early stage of the Biden administration that is able to, to pursue such an expensive, um, let's say, both economical and political campaign. And of course, um, he has the responsibility not to only resolve the, 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 the negative financial or economic impact done by the COVID crisis, but he also has uh, his, his, his own agenda that he, of course, wants to connect with, with this ability to, to tackle those problems and basically hit two flies at, at, at once. Um, on the other hand, what I think is, is interesting is that um, the overall feelings or, or, or reception of the Biden administration in the first couple of weeks um, especially looking at the, the, the split that many saw under, under, under Trump hasn't been too resolved. So there was still heavy debates going on in the Senate. And, and of course, um, also, which is a very uh, closely related topic, is the, the, the impact on inflation and long-term uh, economic health of, of, of injecting so much uh, liquidity into the economy. That, that is definitely uh, something that would, I would say is a concern. Yes, uh, of course. And also, I would like to point out, since you, uh, you, have sp uh, you have mentioned the Biden agenda, uh, well, Biden's platform was definitely, well, included one very major aspect, which is the possibility to go back to an era of bipartisanship, or at least uh, to try and find some compromises uh, with Republicans. However, uh, well, this is um, reasonably uh, to be considered one of the, well, for sure, one of the biggest things that the Biden administration will do. Of course, we have eight years in which I could uh, turn out to be wrong, but I don't think there will be another thing as massive as a 1.9 trillion plan. And here we have already seen some limits of this, um, of this plan. Uh, not not of the plan itself, which will will we still have to see, but of the strategy of the Biden strategy of trying to uh, compromise with Republicans. Well, because they didn't manage to in the Senate, all Republicans voted against the the plan, and all uh, Democrats consequently had to vote in favor. So we are back to a uh, you know to the trench warfare between the two parties, which I think is a negative. Uh, aspect of these years and well there is still uh, difficulties passing a law if they don't manage to find at least some republicans willing to uh, come to compromises and i don't think the biden administration has been very uh, straightforward in trying to to cope with this problem because there's still the filibuster in the Senate. So even if the, uh, the Republicans currently are a minority, they could still block tons of legislation. And yet, I, I haven't seen at least a, an open approach towards the Republican side of the Senate. Uh, 
Uh, what do you think of this problem? I definitely think, and, and we were talking about this um, regarding the, um, let's say, the, the, the second impeachment trial of, of Trump, that this or the, 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 the storming of the Senate or the Capitol really represented a, a, a great opportunity to, um, for, for Republicans to become more moderate again and position against the strong populism of Trump, as well as for uh, Democrats acknowledging that they have to work in a, in a bipartisan manner and, and uh, that, that really it is all about cooperation. Um, but somehow they, they missed to, to, first of all, the, the acquittal of Trump in the second impeachment trial was already a, an, an early hint. Although I think six Republicans uh, voted actually for, for his impeachment. But um, the, it's, it seems, especially another, pol or another political matter in the US, which is right now very hotly debated, is the uh, proposals for the wealth tax. Um, I don't know. Um, it's 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 always been a very difficult topic, and and also the uh, the 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 let's say the uncertainty uh, connected to the economic uh, results of implementing a wealth tax are let's say rather uncertain. So if you actually have this flight of wealth to 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 other states or other countries, um, and actually unable to 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 leverage on the benefits of of such a policy. But um, but overall, it seems like the 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 Democrats are really now trying to, to, to implement some of the promises they made to their to their voters, and in and and as a consequence, they kind of neglect finding a common basis to with, with other Republicans, which I think is is, is rather um, unfortunate. Yes, well, definitely that uh, would have turned out to be a problem anyway, because as you say, uh, the promises that the Democrats made to their electors are actually. Uh, quite radical, uh, at least if compared to the past. So it it won't be for sure easy to find a compromise. Um, but maybe, you know, uh, maybe in the future we'll see um, some more effort put in this direction. I personally uh, would, would hope so. So in saying this, um, I think we can conclude this episode. We've been very glad to come back to these microphones. Thank you, Anton, for being with me. It was a huge pleasure and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, our next week's recording. Yes, and I am looking to the, uh, forward to this too. And well, goodbye to everyone and I hope you had a, a pleasant experience listening to us. Bye-bye.